Hi there, you are listening to Connecting the Dots with me, Cassie Hubert. This is the podcast where we talk about giving expression to the art of living a deeply connected life. And whether that's in your motherhood, whether that's in your creativity, or whether it's in your relationships, all of these areas really benefit from deep, rooted, conscious connection. So join me and I hope you enjoy my thoughts and explorations around how we can be more connected and how that can give us greater freedom and joy in all areas of our lives. So hi, and today's episode is all about my 20-minute coping with a meltdown rule. Now, before I get started, I realise that for a lot of people we think about meltdowns, we maybe think about kids. And as a mum, I definitely use this for that purpose. However, I'd like us to think about the language of the word meltdown and how it makes us feel when we talk about it. We often describe somebody who's just got to the end of themselves and then everything is just disintegrated as a meltdown. And it's not a word that maybe makes us feel very positive, understandably. And it's not something that only affects children. It affects adults and it affects us both personally, but it also can affect us creatively. We can get to a point where we're just like, I can't do this, this whole job, I'm completely useless, nothing works, ah, and just melt down. And it's really horrible when you're in that situation, either as a witness to someone that you care about or whether you are the one having the meltdown. Now, I know when we talk about children, we often talk about them having a meltdown synonymously with having a tantrum. But I really don't like that because the word tantrum sounds so derisive and like it belittles what's going on for the person in the middle of it. Now, you know, a full on meltdown with kicking and screaming and punching the air, you know, it's it's a big thing to deal with. It's certainly dramatic and it's certainly very arresting. But the word tantrum... I feel doesn't give dignity to the situation, which maybe is where somebody has got to a point where they're so overwhelmed, they can't handle it. And you may not have been there, but I have on many occasions, and I suspect many of us have. So the first thing that I'd like to suggest we do in those situations is to consider whether you are the meltdown e <laughs> that's not a thing, or whether you're the one witnessing the meltdown, is... Actually, what does the person having the meltdown need? Usually, if it's me and I'm suddenly got to the end of myself and everything feels like it's climbed on top of me and I feel really overwhelmed, maybe really foolish, maybe like I just can't do the thing I said I was going to do and I feel deeply exposed and unhappy and exhausted and frightened. I don't need somebody to tell me that I'm being ridiculous in that moment. And I don't need somebody to make me feel ashamed or smaller or more foolish than I already feel. What those moments really need is compassion and empathy. Now, we might not all be able to empathize with the specifics of a circumstance because we're not all the same people. But we can all empathize with that feeling of things being on top of us. The best thing to do is to take a bit of a break. Now, I know that's where the whole timeout thing comes, um, but so often timeouts are used as a punishment for kids, and I just find that really hard. But there is also something about taking yourself away from whatever it is that has caused you to feel so overwhelmed you just can't 
stay integrated you just disintegrate now with kids when they are having a a full-on they've just lost it i have two autistic children and so sometimes their frustration at not being able to communicate can be really big my son particularly rather than my daughter but you know we all have them and with babies as well you really notice it they can cry and scream and one thing i will say is that most babies and children do not cry at that full pelt for longer than about 20 minutes. Now, they can get to a point where they've calmed and then they start back up again because someone says something or something triggers it. But I don't even think as an adult we can cry at a full intensity for longer than about 20 minutes, half an hour, especially when it's noisy and messy and painful and you can feel so helpless, like there's nothing you can do or you can feel like you just want to make it stop. Now, as a mum, something I found immensely helpful is remembering that this will probably only last about 20 minutes. And so rather than trying to push through and fix it instantly and or, or stop the crying or get past my own discomfort, actually stopping whatever else I'm trying to do, pausing, taking them into my arms very often or sitting next to them and just being present. When my son has had a few of those meltdown moments when he's felt so overwhelmed and he's just distraught. I mean, there was one incident particularly in the last couple of years where my son had got really upset about something and he was really struggling. I think his teeth were hurting or he was in pain or he was angry and he couldn't really communicate because he doesn't really use words. And so he was struggling to make himself understood and he was in pain. His crying then set my other daughter, who's autistic, off and she doesn't like it. So she was shouting and putting her hands over her ears. And then my baby, who was a baby at the time, he's now coming up for two, but you know, he was quite young. Suddenly all this dramatic and quite angry crazy noise really upset him so he was crying his eyes out and then my eldest who is so amazing in so many ways she's so much more with it and she's actually often a really great comfort in those moments she struggled because she's human and she suddenly felt really overwhelmed that everybody was crying and Pete was at work and I was sat there just going ha this is really hard four children all crying their eyes out in different ways now Grace can be reasoned with and we can have a good conversation about it and she's very very emotionally aware but she was feeling suddenly overwhelmed that everyone was upset. She could see I was upset and it was a really tough bit of time. But I was so grateful that I would thought or realized this before because I was able to sit at the top of the stairs, stick one baby on the breast, cuddle the other under my arms, be really close to but not in the space of my son and have my eldest daughter sort of sit a step or two below and just gently be there. And when it kind of got overwhelming, because I knew it wasn't going to last, it really helped me to step back and to breathe. And, you know, I prayed and I also started singing something very gentle, which you have to kind of time right, because otherwise my other daughter will just scream at you. So it's sort of if she's not in the right mood, but held everybody close that wanted to be close, was physically present near my son who didn't want to be touched at that point, but but was, I know, wanted to know that he was safe. And... Sure enough, it was about 20 minutes or so, and it calmed. And then we could go, okay, what do we need? Are people hungry? Are people tired? Are the people afraid? What's going on? But I think there's something in that, you know, as an adult and as a creative artist, there are so many times when I get to a point creatively where I just think, I can't do this. This is too much. I'm running out of time. Or I don't have what's inside of me that I think really needs to come out to make this work. And I just can't do it and then and then I'm going to be exposed and I can't make the the song come together or I'm not going to be able to perform this. You know, that horrible moment in your creative journey of any project 
And I saw this as a little picture on the Theatre of 503, and it went like this. The creative process. This is going to be good. This is going to be tricky. This is rubbish. I'm rubbish. This might just be okay. This is going to be good. And I've seen that picture and held it in my mind for so many years because it's just so true of the creative process. When I was painting something to be in this journal last year for a friend, I was going, I know I can do this. This is going to be fun. Okay, I'm not quite sure. And it was exactly that process. And I remember needing some more art supplies and getting to the point where I was like, I'm right in the thick of the this is rubbish, I'm rubbish stage. And at that point, you need somebody to be present with you. And you need to feel like it's okay to just be where you are, to cry it out and trust that this this terrifying moment of everything being so big and impossible to see past will pass. Whether that's your child crying their eyes out and you're going slightly stir crazy because you've been sat indoors all day with them and now you're like, oh my gosh. Or whether you have got to that point because you've dealt with so much grief or work challenges or relational challenges or you're just so tired or you haven't eaten properly or you just aren't sleeping or any of the things that get you to a point where you just something else happens and you can't deal with it or whether in your creative journey you're at that this is rubbish I am rubbish stage where you just don't think you can go forward maybe what you need is to take 20 minutes out maybe what you need is to make sure the hob is turned off and you know, whatever needs to be done to make the world safe has been done and you just go out for a walk for 20 minutes. Or maybe you call someone that you know you can trust who will listen to you and you just splurge and you know that they'll get it. You just say, ah, maybe you go out and meet someone and have a hug. Maybe you need to go to somebody who you care about, who cares about you and say, I just need you to hold me. And you just cry. My coping mechanism for this is that that wonderful 20 minute ish rule knowing that this will pass that what you need to either give or receive is compassion that sometimes being present but not getting in someone's face is exactly what they need there's a jewish custom from what i understand called sitting shiver and so when someone's died you just go and you sit there with them you don't necessarily say anything you don't try to fix it you don't necessarily offer words especially when sometimes those words are so hard to find you don't know what would help and often nothing you just sit there. It's being present. The presence of a person who cares about you, silent or not, is so powerful. And I think creatively, when we allow ourselves to be present to ourselves, we are so much more likely to come through those difficult stretching seasons where it's just so hard and come out the other side feeling more confident in our abilities or confident in our ability to find what we need. When we're parenting, our kids don't need our shame in those moments. And our shame, maybe we're feeling we're in the middle of a supermarket and they've melted down and you just sit in there going, oh my gosh, I've got everybody looking at me like I'm a terrible mum. Do you know what? You don't need to have that on your head. And your kid does not need that either. You need to just sit down with them. Maybe you sit in the aisle and hold them if they want it, but respectfully don't if they don't. You just sit close and let everyone else walk past. Do you know what? Most mums at some point have been through this. And if you are going, I'm on your side, you need someone on your side and you can choose to be on someone's side in that moment when you're available to them. It helps so much. And you come out the other end of this feeling like there is hope.
So I did really want to share this today because I am aware that in this overwhelming season of build up to the Christmas holidays, like I spoke about in last episode, there is often so much expectation and we don't always know what's going on underneath the surface. There are so many factors that can affect our ability to be actively creative. Sometimes the most creative thing we can do is go and take a nap. And believe me, that yields so much fruit, whether it's just you feel better and you can tackle things or it's because in your dreams you have ideas. My mother always gets amazing ideas in her dreams. She's stuck on a bit of, you know, dressmaking and she, or a costume and she couldn't do it. And then she'd go to bed and, you know, a night or two later she'd go, I've got the idea, came to me in a dream. You know, when you're resting and you look after yourself and give deep kindness to yourself or to the person you're with, when you hold space with them to be present in love and compassion, things go so much deeper and the chances of you coming out the other side with renewed confidence and ability and even just knowing that you've been seen, heard and understood. That kind of connection goes so deep and makes you way more effective at loving other people well and loving yourself well and loving your creative work well as you go forward. So if you have enjoyed this podcast, and I really hope you have, it would mean such a lot to me if you don't mind hopping over to Apple and leaving a review. It helps other people to find it. And likewise, if you like an episode, share it. All that remains is for me to wish you a wonderful, blessed week filled with connection, creativity, and a deeply rooted sense of presence. God bless.